Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Gord Lemon. Gord, tell us a bit about yourself. Wow. <laughs> wow. I expected dinner and drinks before we got into that. Jeez, uh, we're right into it. Okay. Right into it. <laughs> I've been investing in Canada and the U.S. for 32 years, um, not as long in the U.S. Yep. Um, uh, so I started in the GTA. Um, I, nine years ago, I moved out to B.C., but let's talk about uh, <laughs> the GTA experiences. So basically, I started by speculating on buying a pre-build single family homes in Mississauga. And then, uh, so, and, and I need to backtrack by saying, I was a, a full-time musician for most of my life and had a simultaneous career going on in real estate investing, which is uh, very, most people say that's quite unusual for a musician to do anything business-wise, but, um, so I, I uh, was doing that for uh, many, many years. Yeah. So I, so I was speculating doing a, a few deals in Mississauga, which were uh, like as a long-haired musician, I couldn't get a mortgage. Yeah. Um, so I had to flip these deals. I had to find a buyer on the day that I had to contractually close with the builder and sell that property. And because we were, it was a bubble market, um, go figure in Toronto, yeah. um, it was a bubble market. And uh, so every year I was actually, you know, making a nice profit because it took about a year, give or take, to build these properties out in each phase. But then, and I'll be dating myself, in <laughs> 1989, there was a crash in Toronto, a real estate actual crash because the carpenters and um, and stonemasons went on strike and the bubble basically burst. And um, so I had two going on at that time and had to contractually close with this buyer or with the uh, builder rather. Yep. Um, well into the crash. So I ended up fire selling these properties, losing money on them and went, oh my gosh, I thought I was some, you know, uh, kick-ass real estate investor and realized I had no idea what the heck I was doing. So I then uh, got some, found out about some real estate investment training. And back in the uh, early 90s yeah. at that time, all that was available was a U.S. company because Canadians were not doing that at the time. So they told me, um, and they took us on a bus trip to Hamilton. Yeah. And because that's where the cash flow lay. And so I actually ended up buying properties in Hamilton. And, and after the crash, although interest rates, which were still in the high teens at that time, were starting to ease off, but you could buy property for 5% down and 40 year amortization. 
Nice. So I was able to parlay that and actually mortgage qualify, believe it or not, um, uh, because I was buying fourplexes in Hamilton for like 120 grand kind of thing, right? Yeah. So those are U.S. prices. <laughs> yeah. yeah, U.S. prices. Yeah. <laughs> and and so to move to the U.S. Uh, in the early 2000s, um, I got alerted to buying property in the Detroit metro area, okay. not Detroit proper, where you can buy, you know, a whole block of properties for a dollar. Not that place. Yeah, but more like Dearborn and Garden City and stuff. So um, I was able to buy properties from foreclosure. And this is actually was back into a, a very uh, appreciating market. So this is the this is getting into the early to mid 2000s. So we're back into a nice appreciating market. And in the Detroit area, in an appreciating market, there was still twenty five thousand foreclosures existing basically at all times yeah <laughs> which was amazing so so i was able to buy properties for forty-five thousand, put about 10 15 grand into them and then sell them for 85 90 kind of thing so yeah it it was working um and i had a great contractor and i had a realtor who was also a cop so that was very good um, and, uh, so that worked for a while until my contractor got too busy and he recommended somebody else. Ooh. And that's when the whole deck of cards came falling down there because he didn't, he was not telling the truth about getting permits and all those things. And then he ticked off the, um, the county, uh, uh, uh inspector that had to the the municipal inspector that had to grant the the um, the property livable again and 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 uh, so anyway so yeah. long story short that all kind kind of came falling down and then uh, so I ran from the U.S. at that time and just concentrated more in Canada and then uh, after 2008 happened. It was around 2010 when there was still dust still settling. Um, I looked to uh, actually a buddy and, and myself looked to the states and where was the best place to invest. And uh, through our research, we saw that the whole Rust Belt, which was basically a lot of the southern U.S., yep. were the first to appreciate and, of course, came crashing down the hardest. So I uh, went to Phoenix and was buying four plexes and eight plexes for 20 to 25,000 a door. So that's pretty that good. That was okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, had a few property. It's really tough, and I highly recommend to anybody listening one of the finding the deal is not the hardest thing to do. I mean, not that it's, you know, uh, depending on the market, yep. there is a degree of difficulty in that, but finding proper property management is the hardest thing to do. And I went through a few property managers before finding the right one. And unfortunately through that um, 
state of going through property managers, the reason why you fire them is because they put anybody into your uh, into your units, even though I gave them a huge uh, screening process. I go use, I don't care what screening process you're using. I want you to use this one. And they're like, oh, that's very good, sir. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then of course we'll use this. And then lo and behold, you have uh, surprises that you did not expect, um, <laughs> and, which is so fun for an out of town, out of country investor, right? So anyway, um, so that, that, that all got turned around. And, um, and then um, along the way, and even prior to this, I started becoming a trainer. I was asked by a number of uh, emerging real estate groups, the yeah. training companies, both from the US and some in Canada to be training for them. So I started doing that. And then I was working with a company uh, in, uh, uh, out, of, uh, out of Toronto that was training Canadians to buy in the states so okay uh, they, they would they had teams in uh, both phoenix vegas in florida and um, i helped set up one in texas and so i was able to to take plane loads if you will i mean uh, not that many but, <laughs> but yeah. you know bus loads who came in on a plane yeah at least um <laughs> on property buying excursions um they had uh, they had good teams down there. And um, so we would spend a lot of time looking at these properties. And there were some amazing deals that these students got. And of course, they were all uh, pre-taught up in Canada on, uh, you know, because there's different vernacular. And of course, there's title companies and, and there's escrow and just things that so are different than yeah. what Canadians experience. Yep. And uh, so, but they were able to buy property. In fact, one of the most amazing ones was somebody bought a, a two bedroom condo with, that looked out onto a pool and, uh, and to the left, they were beside a golf course. So it was a really nice condo. And they bought that for $24,000 on their credit card. <laughs> that was awesome. So when you're there are sourcing these deals and stuff, were these like um, uh, pocket listings, MLS listings, like wholesalers? Um, like where do they come up with these? To, yeah, to do they this? were they were mostly pocket deals from the agents that these guys had relationships with. Some yeah. were on MLS. Yep. Uh, but you have to remember that during this time, you know, this was anywhere from 2010 to 2015. A lot of gun shy Americans, when you mention real estate, they're like, mm, please don't say that to me, you know, so, so they're, you know, obviously, as time went on during that decade, uh, there was more and more competition and, and whatnot. But uh, for a while, it was almost like shooting fish in a barrel, if you will. Um, you didn't have to be as creative. Plentiful. You didn't have to be as creative as now because there was That's there correct. was there was everyone was terrified. Yeah, they were terrified, and it was amazing. I did have conversations with just people in a coffee shop, you know, and they're like, because we'd come in in a group or whatever. They go, "What are you guys about?" And we'd say, "Oh, we're down here buying real estate." They're like, "What real estate?" Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are crazy. So, um, 
anyway, so um, I, uh, I was able to, because kind of the deal was if the student, if any, no students bought anything during the trip and you, of course you have to let the dust settle. Like if they didn't act on anything for a couple of weeks afterwards and the properties were still available that we could actually bid on them ourselves. Yeah. So I, I was able to uh, take advantage of that, which was nice. And, yeah. um, and uh, so, and then I got into, uh, was able to get into a number of different centers outside of Phoenix where I was originally uh, in terms of long-term holds down there. Right. So. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, does that lead to today? Is that kind of where you're, you're at today or has there been more to this than more left? Um, well, the, the interesting thing is, is I, I've been able to um, help people uh, sort of circumvent on a kind of one-on-one -on -one coaching basis. Kind of their, their, uh, the, be able to, because every you know I think a lot of Canadians certainly in in big metro areas that are facing, you know where am I I can't even find a cash flowing deal so what the heck what what can I do well they are turning to the U S and going, well let's try to see what happens there how do I how does a Canadian do that and so. Uh, so I help them in understanding how to set up corporately um, so you can move money cross border legally and pay your proper uh, tax share to Uncle Sam and and be able to move that money back up if you choose to. Yeah. Um, some people just leave it there and and use it as an, you know, for whatever expenses they have in the U.S. if they're traveling there or what have you. Yeah. So. Um, Cool. So that has helped people get into different markets and and pull the trigger, if you will, on on buying some property down there. So, cool. No, I, I wrote a bunch of notes, so we can go a lot of different directions from this. Um, one thing I noticed that you you've been through a, a crash or a recession. Well, actually, probably two because you were 1989 in Canada, and then you you're saying you're in down into the states before 2008, right? So. How how did that affect your real estate? And do you see do you see anything like that coming? Because that's always been the hot topic for like the last three years. Is yes, everyone's like everyone's like is you know we all everyone both sides. Well, you know what Canadians really think that we're uh, immune to this. But um, it, <laughs> I was reading that Toronto is the third most unaffordable city in the entire world based on income to what the pro real estate is. The property ratio, yeah, yeah. And Vancouver being yeah. in that. Yeah. Uh, there's some same sentence there's a yeah. little bit of danger in there but uh do you see is you've been through a couple of these do you see any similarities should we be concerned do you think it's you know really nobody knows i know but well i mean as investors i think we should be uh somewhat excited uh, because you know the i think most of the population if we're talking about 2008 most of the population uh, and we all have heard the stories like waitresses owning five properties, et cetera. Right. So yeah. when that happens, you're scratching your head going, that's crazy. Right. Yeah. And, but they, they didn't see the writing on the wall. And of course, no one understood what was happening behind the scenes at wall street and all that kind of stuff, which led to ultimately the crash. So, but now we have a, with this COVID thing, 
we have a different scenario, but we can be looking with those uh, same eyes that, but from a wise, uh, a wiser standpoint, if you will, yeah. by seeing, and this goes for Canada too, in that we've had these mortgage deferrals or forbearance or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And you've got maybe one of a, you know, one of the two spouses that's employment has changed and therefore can they afford that mortgage payment when they have to start paying for it? Well, we know some will, but we know the odds are some won't. And that's both in Canada and the US. So if we can be cash ready and be understanding our markets. So, and I mean, I, with every student I've ever taught, I'm like, focus on one market, one strategy, become an expert in that area. So when a deal comes to you, you actually know it's a deal. You can quickly analyze that. You know um, what the rent on a one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom in a townhouse, single family, what have you. You actually know that data and that you're understanding uh, what the what is driving people to the area even when things may be falling apart from a mortgage standpoint and having you know foreclosures etc um, happening as a result you're being cash ready and understanding the area and what your what strategy is the best one to implement um, yep. that is the position that you need to be looking at and uh, I guess, uh, you know, as we, those people can be maniacally, you know, rubbing their hands going, well, we're just waiting for the chips to fall kind of thing, you know? Yep. Yep. And of course, I don't say that from a malicious standpoint. I, I feel for anybody and everybody that's been affected by COVID, both health-wise and from a financial standpoint. Um, but we all know that, <clears throat> in our uh, it's uh, human nature to uh to be thrown into uh, the home ownership dream and by whatever pressure or desire that that has come by and some people home ownership at the economic level that they're at isn't maybe the best choice but they've gone into it and now with a new with a mortgage payment that they have to now you know, start paying, it might be, uh, you know, an issue for them. So, yep. so I am, I'm not in any way um, like a, a vulture or ambulance chaser or anything like that. I'm, I'm all about creating win-wins. Um, and if people are in foreclosure, power of sale, um, what have you, to, if you're, if you're, working with people that are in that situation and you can save them from a foreclosure and put them back right um, and create a win-win scenario, then that's, an, a, that's a great place to be. Totally agree. And just to add on that, the other part is if you have real estate already, just to uh, try and be as safe as possible, like not high, super high leverage rates, like have some, have some space in your, in your, in your thing 
make it so that there's some backup plans if you're doing a flip don't do those really long flips that are going to take like a year or longer yes. <laughs> maybe maybe do some you know shorter ones uh don't expose yourself for such long periods of time because yeah you know, yeah we're in a time where things can change um so you're dealing and to your point if yeah. i may and if you're doing uh, if you're thinking about doing a burr yeah yeah might not be the, the best time to refinance as much as you can possibly get out at this point. Maybe leave yourself a bit more equity than yep. 20%. Yep, because that mortgage, uh, if things change, might be your uh, your responsibility if the tenants aren't paying. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you, if you can keep those payments at a reasonable level, then it might be a little easier. <laughs> anyway, um, so both of us are uh, Canadian and US investors. Um, what what differences have you found between uh, the Canada and U.S. real estate markets, uh, the way you purchase things? Just oh well, I know I just kind of threw a lot at you there. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> well, I do find you know with U.S. doing use uh, research on U.S. properties is there's just so much more data that's available. Um, you oh, know, yeah. there's less there's less of the privacy act, if you will for lack of better words. That, that's um, one thing that blows me away about Ontario real estate, well, Canadian real estate in general, is that they're, like, I was trying to find my personal home and I was like trying to get more data to, to move my house. And I'm like, I, I just want to know like previous sale prices. I got to call a realtor, like everything you got to call a realtor for. I'm like, it's just not as easy to get. Even uh, realtor.ca doesn't list the square footage. I'm like, why does it not list the square footage? Why is it, mm. why is it hiding stuff from me? Right. <laughs> That's what I feel like because I'm used to buying in states. And I'm used to having, uh, you know, I can go to the county website and check tax records. I can check everything <laughs> is public check record. Check everything, yeah. You get a HUD statement and it has their side as well as your own. Sorry, that's like the closing statement if you're a Canadian real estate person. But uh, yeah, you have both sides and you can see who they bank with, what their mortgage amount is. Everything is... It's it, it it's it's crazy how uh, the privacy changes. Um, even just you want to look up corporations, you could see who uh, who owns the corporation, where their address is. It's, it's like well, there is states that are more private. Anyway, sorry, I went on a bit of a rant there. But... No, that's no, you're absolutely right. And so yeah, just doing the research and knowing where to go to find different things, but it it doesn't take long to to be able to start understanding how to research and where to go to actually research properties because things come become quite evident quickly and you can click from one thing to the next and that'll lead you to the next thing kind of thing. And it obviously, when you know what the more outstanding mortgage balance is, how long they've owned the property, it's so much easier to negotiate. And, and even based on if you're, buying directly from a seller even uh, to be able to understand what their situation is to be able to negotiate effectively again not maliciously but effectively yeah. to yeah. create a win-win um, and and it seems to me that and this is a blanket statement so um, <laughs> forgive me but there are more individual quote unquote situations that occur 
to Americans who need to get out of their homes. Yep. And that's at any time, whether in an appreciating or depreciating market, it just, and of course, just by the mere 10 times more of them than Canadians. Um, but it, it just seems with however they do business, uh, uh, they, there just seems to be more opportunity to help people out of a situation. Yep. And by having some of that data about like, you know, how much their mortgage is, for instance, you might be able to structure something like if they're going in or pre foreclosure or something, maybe you could keep them in the house and turn them into a lease option. But you, you have the numbers, you have the numbers so you can, because you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to do it right in front of somebody, uh, like getting the numbers and trying to come up with a plan. But you can look it up and you can be like, okay, well, maybe, maybe I can help them this way. Maybe we can work something out and you can let your brain sit at your desk and work on it. And because you have the numbers ahead of time instead of you know, when you're, if you were, if you were the wholesaler sitting at the table or, or, you know, just an investor negotiating, <laughs> that's usually not my department, but I do totally understand it. I usually am, I, I'm more of the kind of guy that buys from wholesalers and let's, right. <laughs> they're better negotiators than I am. <laughs> right. And uh, to that, I'd just love to share a story that you may have yeah. <clears throat> experienced yourself, Glenn. Sure. Uh, we would on, if, if the if the trip allowed when we were going down to any one of those uh, places like Florida or Phoenix or what have you, if we could go and experience watching them auction properties off the court uh, steps of the courthouse, that is an experience that I can't recommend enough. Just to sit there and watch this happen because as Canadians, we're like, what? How this happened? What? This happens? <laughs> uh, because you've got these people with these fancy computers and they're just saying uh, property, like next property on the docket is this. And then you've got all these guys on the phone that are professional negotiators slash buyers who are representing investors and, and they'll quickly call up on their phone. Hey, Joe, your property's up. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to go in. Your bottom line is uh, 50 grand. Okay, yeah, all right. And uh, oh, and they go, oh, they bid it up to 60. Do you still want to be in for 60? You know, it was a <laughs> pretty amazing uh, to watch this. And of course, any of us can participate, but they, those guys have a pretty close circle and will uh, uh, bid up any property to uh, kind of uh, Keep make. Your the uh the unwanted participants uh pay for it right and never come back again <laughs> that i've heard that same story before too so you said um i'm gonna go back a bit you're saying off the start you were uh, uh investing in detroit you went into phoenix um how are you managing these properties from a distance did you go to the properties yeah i have seen uh, most of the properties i have purchased um, yeah. but there's a couple that i have only seen on google maps so. <laughs> do you see them before like like in person before you buy them or do you wait until like you know you've bought them and owned them for a while to until you happen to be in town to go see them yeah i'm i'm a bit more conservative i'd like to see them i like to see what i'm buying yes That's fair. Yeah. Uh, and the ones that i haven't seen technically i've 
seen with an agent uh, through their video um, and FaceTiming at the property kind of thing. Okay. And double checking on Google Maps and uh, for what the whole area kind of looks like and whatnot. And, um, and I also, and here's a bit of a tip, um, and this is for anywhere, um, if you're buying a property um, that is an area that you have a feeling could be a sketch, it's a great deal, but it could be a sketchy area. The property looks different at night than it does in the day. And so visiting your property before you buy it at night, just to see the comings and goings and whatnot um, can be very telling and may skew your decision. <laughs> I totally agree. And I, that's, um, I remember when I was first buying in Alabama and, uh, I would like, I'd ask the realtor, like, is this a good, is this a good neighborhood? And she's like, I, I legally can't tell you that. And she's like, but I could tell you, um, if I go there at night, if I have my gun in my, in my, my, my trunk, or if it's in my purse or it's in my hand. <laughs> 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 and then I was that. like, oh, okay. So I can kind of gauge neighborhoods by the, where's your gun? <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah. So because she, she's like, I, I'm not supposed to say this is a bad neighborhood. I'm not supposed to deter people from buying here or anything else. But I'm like, yeah, but it, it was, it was <laughs> our little way around finding it, what's going on. But a lot of times now, personally, I, I rely on the same thing, the videos and the pictures from um, not ideally not the wholesaler ideally from uh somebody who's not working on my side to go to go through because you you want someone else to go through because the the wholesaler may not take a picture of that like leaking ceiling or yeah the, the, the stuff that you absolutely yeah so i'll um in every city that i'm in i will have built a team that will uh, include at least three contractors at least three. And I go through a whole questionnaire uh, interview and I will give them a hundred bucks if I'm looking at a property to accompany the realtor and go there because um, I love realtors, but they've got one thing on their mind and they'll, and especially for an out of town buyer, they can tell you whatever they want, right? So. If I've got an impartial contractor there, um, and hopefully they're impartial, <laughs> yeah. um, at least they'll be able to say, yeah, not a bad property. You're going to need some of this, a bit of that, blah, 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 right? So, and of course, you're corroborating that with video and having him go, here's the crack in the wall. Here's the, here's this, the toilet needs to be replaced and here's why, you know, and showing you that, right? that yep. the realtor may conveniently not tell you so but yeah no it's a great tip is to to get them in there and not people some people will cheap out and go oh, i don't want to spend the 100 bucks cuz i want to look through like these like six houses or whatever and try and figure one out and i'll get the realtor to tell me which one's the best but the that that 600 bucks or if you want to go see those six houses if you just missed one little thing it's it's gone instantly. It's so gone so fast. That so six hundred dollars savings in one crack. You're like, <laughs> you know, in the in basement foundation, probably a thousand bucks, right? Depending on depending who's doing it, whatever, right? Like it. Yeah, or, it, it's. I have found, and believe me, I came from the cheapo real estate investor 
world. So, um, and I learned from that. I learned that that's dumb. So it costs way less to put a little money up front because when you don't, you pay a lot of money on the back end quite often. It's going to end up whether you, maybe you luck out a few times, but one of those times it's going to bite you big. So. Yeah. So when you're managing contractors from a distance, I'm assuming you're not there looking over their shoulder. Do you have any, <laughs> I guess it's about building a good team to start with, but what do you have yeah. for checks and balances throughout a renovation? Yep. Yeah, so I, and I do this um, up in Canada as well is, uh, uh, and it's obviously more in the virtual world, but I will do a virtual um, whiteboard every day, be in touch with the, um, contractor at least twice a day. Wow. <laughs> a virtual whiteboard going, what are we finishing today? What materials need to come and when? Uh, and, and ensuring that that whiteboard, and I make sure that they actually have one or convey what's on that white virtual whiteboard to the trades guys or, or their helpers or whatever, that this needs to be accomplished today um, and yeah. and that keeps everything on track. And I start the whole project with what's the whole scope of work? How do we break that down on a daily basis to make this happen? And that the materials arrive on time because if they arrive early and they're sitting out, well, in yeah. the US, that material does not last long sitting out anywhere. Um, yeah. So that material has to come at the right time. And of course, we all know if it's late and if that material's not there for whoever that needs it, then the whole job can get delayed. And, uh, and that's uh, so we just want to nip everything in the bud. And, um, you know, I never do anything other than cosmetic repairs. Okay. I have no interest in fixing a foundation or okay. anything like that. I don't even want to fix a roof, really. So, um, so do so, you ever um, hire a, a project manager to watch over the contractors? Um, I I have realtors that yep. do that, but I make sure that the realtors um, are somewhat building envelope savvy, if you will. Okay. <laughs> um, and I say, I tell all realtors, you know, if you have the opportunity on every inspection to have a notepad in hand and walk around behind your ins the inspector and inspectors, I mean, as much as they love to work on their own, they also don't mind talking about their jobs. And, and that's what I found anyway. And so, if they're walking around and just asking questions and learning about the ins and outs of how houses are made and, yeah. and that building envelope, if you will, then they just become more knowledgeable for their own selves. And of course, uh, they're more advantage to me because we can talk logically. And so I try and encourage the realtors I work with to be on that uh, level, if you will, um, and then are able to, if I need them to show up every day or a few times a week 
to the property just to go, hey, my contractors told me this is going on. And I get pictures every, like when, when that's happening, I do get pictures daily, but you know, you just want, because you're out of town, you're not there. You want to get the comfort of having somebody go, yep, that's what's happening. Or, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Or well. no. And then if it's no, then you are able to actually pivot um, before it's too late. And I often get those names by looking up the local real estate investment groups yeah. and, and finding, you know, being able to talk to people that are within that group and getting references. But just because I get a reference doesn't mean I don't go through a scrutinizing interview process uh, just to make sure that I'm comfortable with what they're saying. And I have people hang up on me too. <laughs> They're like, what? What kind of questions are these? I'm like, what kind of what? Which questions ones, would that man. be? <laughs> <laughs> what what questions would uh, would bother the the contractors, or which things should the people be asking? Well, of course, I'm asking for their references, but I'm also digging deep into how they hire their trades. Um, are are they licensed and insured and bonded and all that kind of stuff? You know, you can have yeah. people go, yeah, of course I am. I go. Okay, can you just, um, you know, uh, send me, you know, scan and send me that? And they're like, no. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I think our conversation's over. Yeah, exactly. Um, and just are, and I, I say, are you okay if we talk about scope of work and and keeping everybody on track? And and are you the guy on on site? Do you actually wield a hammer, or are you just a manager contractor guy? Like, what is your gig? Um, uh, how many jobs do you do have going at the same time? You know, what is, of course, uh, are you okay with quotes that are separate, uh, uh, have labor and materials separately? That's um, a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind that because part of their profit is buying materials and putting a bit of an upcharge on that. And that's okay. But, um, uh, but I don't want to be overcharged for that. And I also don't want to be overcharged for, you know, two guys painting a 10 by 10 room and it takes them all afternoon. Yep. Right. So just getting down to those questions. So they know that I know that even though I'm, a, I'm, I'm in Canada here, I'm still looking over their shoulder, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's great, Gord. Um, We'll start wrapping this up. Um, if uh, is there anything else I should have asked you? I don't know. Was there anything else in your mind? <laughs> well, I like long walks on a moonlit beach. And, <laughs> no, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, nah, don't worry about it. So, Gord, um, if people wanted to to get it to track you down to have a, a conversation or just to see some of your material or you know see what you have to offer, some training or whatever, how would how would they do so? Um, I am available at realestatetrainingclub.com. Okay. And uh, we, you can reach me through info at realestatetrainingclub.com. And, uh, yeah, happy to have a chat. I'm always looking for JV partners, so um, happy to do deals with people um, and happy to help people expand their vision from Canada to the U.S., 
so yeah well thank thank you so much to, for your uh time and your experience like sharing your experience of like all these years which we got to i loved it anyway at least because I, I don't we never hear about a lot of this stuff right we're like it's a lot of the people they start at like 2008 <laughs> that i interview like uh, even the americans that's where they that's why they exist because they didn't get wiped out in 2008 right um, right, right so it, it's nice to hear uh people who have made it through uh, a couple crashes to, to try and learn from it <laughs> well i have the gray hair to prove it my friend <laughs> thanks again for coming on the show i really appreciate it no problem glenn it's been my pleasure <laughs>